0: You're listening to The Razor's Edge. The Razor's Edge is an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor and trader with decades of experience in markets, and me, Daniel Schwarzman, who has been focused on the market as a career for the past decade. We take investing ideas or themes we're interested in and break them down, or we speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. You can also check out our work on Seeking Alpha under our respective names, or reach us on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. Our standard disclaimer and disclosure. The Razor's Edge is a Shortman Studios production. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. We'll disclose any positions in any stocks discussed at the end of the podcast or during our introduction to the given episode. PagerDuty crossed the magical 30% barrier in revenue growth in their latest quarter the first time they've topped that number since the pandemic began. We've been talking about the company for a long time on the razor's edge. And to hear what's driving their growth and which levers PagerDuty can pull going forward, we spoke with the company's CFO, Howard Wilson. Regular guest Justin Stepka joined me and Akram to ask Howard questions about the quarter and about PagerDuty's broader strategy. And because investors are never satisfied, The common theme in our discussion was expansion and what that looks like for PagerDuty. I think it's a really insightful conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know there's a Razor's Edge newsletter available now. Akram is producing the newsletter, which comes out a minimum of twice a month and includes market commentary, macro, and earnings analysis, occasional deep dives, or more concise trade ideas and a peek into Akram's research process, including things he's reading and listening to. As you might guess, the focus on SaaS, semiconductors, tech, and short ideas, though knowing Akram, there will be other interesting topics that come up as well. I've been reading Akram for a decade, and I know I've benefited a lot from it. I'm sure you will too if you're a listener of this podcast. Check it out at the-razors-edge.ghost.io to subscribe today. That's therazor'sedge.ghost.io with dashes in between each of the words. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. For this episode, I am long pager duty, Akram is long pager duty, and Justin is long pager duty, Amazon, and Atlassian. And of course, Howard is employed by PagerDuty duty as CFO. Here we go. All right. Howard, thank you for joining the Razor's Edge. Welcome on board.
1: Thank you. Great to be here, Daniel.
0: So let's jump in. You guys just had a pretty solid quarter that you reported. And I think what's interesting, uh, where I wanted to sort of start, we've talked a lot
2: Great quarter, Daniel. Great quarter. (laughs) 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 Thank you, (laughs) Ekram. Let's set the the tone from the start.
0: Okay. Okay. Sorry. I, I, I like to be measured. But the... What I think is really interesting is we were talking the whole story, I think, over the last 18 months for PagerDuty. Akram, I think, was the one who came up with the second derivative, the idea that a lot of these SaaS companies, you go work from home, you buy them off the shelf, and you just go right away. And so you saw huge spikes in your Zooms, your DocuSigns, etc. Whereas PagerDuty actually had slower relatively quarters last year. And this is the Biggest growth quarter you've had since the onset of the pandemic. And I'm just curious how you guys sort of look at that internally. If you like think about that sort of dynamic, or how do you think about the fact that you're really starting to hit a stride really in this calendar year more than last year?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, two things I would say. The one is that I agree with the the thinking around the second derivative in terms of, you know, we don't have a consumption-based model. And so that means that despite the fact that in the last year, we've seen increased usage of our platform, in fact, at unprecedented levels in terms of the number of companies using our platform and the number of events being pushed into our platform and the number of incidents. That, that doesn't drive monetization for us on its, on its own basis, because we don't want to discourage customers from using the platform. And in fact, we were really pleased to see Companies improve their ability to respond to issues because they were using using PagerDuty. The the second side though is that, you know, this has really been, you know, we've seen growing momentum over the last few quarters. And we were really excited to see the 33% year over year revenue growth in this this last quarter Q two.
0: What do you so you this came up on the call, obviously, but when you're talking about this sort of increased momentum, I mean, your CEO, Jennifer Tejada, mentioned increased TAM as you're going into sort of the broader automation. You called out high retention, which you know, dollar net dollar-based retention. And I'm just curious how you're thinking about what what is driving this momentum? Is this a is it more about you being able to expand into the new segments and new use cases. Is it more just these companies, as they're getting a taste for the platform and as they're accelerating their digitization, they're they're sort of ramping up faster than expected, or like what what do, what sort of story are you telling, or what sort of story do you are you seeing from the inside? So
1: I think we're seeing a combination of macro. Conditions where there is that increasing demand. So certainly, as you you mentioned, companies are relying a lot more on their digital assets than they ever did before. And when they rely on those digital assets, they need to be able to have a system of action that can help them, in fact, manage that environment more effectively. And that's really where PagerDuty comes in. But I think that's also combined with a few. Of our our growth levers. And our importance or our growth in the enterprise is something that we've been able to demonstrate now over successive years and quarters. And we continue to extend our lead in the enterprise and the mid market. So really good growth in in that segment, which enterprise and mid-market combined accounts for about 80% of our revenues today. So that's been, you know, one of the areas of, of real strength. And that's manifest too in the growing number of customers that are spending more than 100k a year with us, which was up 36%. So we have over 500 customers spending more than 100k, and then growth too in terms of companies that have matriculated, if you like, into the greater than 500k and greater than than a million. The second thing I would say is that we are continuing to see a lot of strength in international. So our international revenue was up 41% year over year, and that that like it is in in the U.S. is being driven by demand for our now more comprehensive set of offerings covering automation, covering digital operations management. So more than just incident response, incident management and on-call, but being able to manage that full suite of, of detection all the way to order remediation. So those are the things that I think are proven to be strong drivers for us, that multi-product strategy is starting to, to gain some real traction. So would
3: you, would, you, would, you, would you say that the, the the main area of like growth that you guys focus on as a company is basically the, the mid-market and then trying to expand out into the total number of seats available within that market?
1: So it's a, a combination of things in terms of, you know, today we've actually been a company that's always been able to serve from the very smallest to the very largest. So we have customers today who spend a few hundred dollars with us to customers who are spending millions. And for us, our growth is driven by two things. The one is user expansion in our existing accounts, and the other is the new product adoption. And the new product adoption is is an element that's been growing, particularly with the addition of our automation product within the last year. That's created a new land for us. For PagerDuty as well, our lands tend to happen largely online. Uh, Customers find us online. They will do a trial. They will do... You know, will then convert either to a free offering for a period and then become paid or convert to paid. But then, often from there, our sales team will then work to find other teams, and those teams then drive the user expansion. And as we've moved into other parts of the business, whether it's supporting security or supporting customer service, that creates another team. So it increases the user expansion. But from a sales team's focus, most of our efforts are around mid market and enterprise and finding the the next set of users for page.
3: You know, I, I noticed that was brought up quite a bit on your guys' earnings call. And some of the questions, even the presentation and some of the comments from Jennifer were around the new free tier that you guys introduced. And I was just wondering if you could maybe highlight kind of how that improves your guys' business model or what it is that drove you guys to kind of approach introducing that free tier.
1: Sure, so... You know the free tier for us was in some respects an experiment right so we did the analysis of our customer base and we realized that prior to us introducing our free tier we had a very inexpensive plan which was an almost free plan this is the way that I would view it where a customer for $120 a year could get you know six users on the platform And when we did the the analysis, we started realizing that we were creating an artificial barrier to people using the platform. And some of that came out of, in the pandemic, the early stage of the pandemic, to support our communities, we offered a free plan and we saw good uptake of that free plan. So we, we went through an exercise to rethink, you know, how did we want to get more companies on our platform? And it's almost a year ago now that we introduced our free plan. And with that free plan, we created the ability for companies of all sizes to start using page duty. So we've got more companies on our platform. And in fact, as of this quarter, we had nearly 18,000 companies on our platform. And that represented uh, you know, a more than 30% growth compared to the number of companies we had a year ago when we didn't have a free plan. What, what's interesting about this is that the removing that barrier of the inexpensive, almost free plan has meant that more companies have started using the platform, which means we establish a relationship with them early on. And we're able to nurture that relationship more effectively so that when the time is right for them to become a paying customer, they can do so. It also allows us to get good visibility into our enterprise and mid-market customers, who are often the ones that that represent the near-term. Growth potential in that they're more likely to expand more quickly with us. So this was this has been a change that's doing exactly what we had planned in terms of getting us to have more companies on the platform, creating a funnel for future growth. Because who knows within that you know SMB segment, startup land, there could be the next Twilio or Opta or Zoom, who are customers of ours. And so we're wanting to make sure that we're creating an opportunity for them, but we can also pinpoint. The larger enterprises, and we're seeing good conversion of those enterprise and mid-market customers to paying customers as well.
3: I mean, I, I think it was a great move for you guys. I, I I spoke to a guy that I used to work with on Bitbucket at Atlassian. and you know, I asked him, you know, I'm I'm a large shareholder of PagerDuty, but I asked him, I was like, Are you using PagerDuty, or you know, are you using Atlassian's product? Like, what are you doing? And uh, he said, "Well, we went with the last year because you know PagerDuty Pager doesn't have a free tier. But if they did, that was the product that we would use." And so, you know, I, I think that that sort of when I when I heard that comment, and then I watched you guys modify sort of your business model to build a new funnel, I was I was very impressed with that, and I was glad to see that the the number of customers that were adopting the free tier and allowing you sort of focus your SMB. The sales team on the customers that actually have the growth in order to do expansion in the last call was was is actually fantastic here there's a small amount of feedback
1: yeah and we've had positive feedback from those those customers as well right who appreciate the fact that they can get to know page duty if you like it's a it's sort of an easy way to get to know the product and get to know the company and start to use the 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 platform to do some real stuff right so these these small Companies that are in our free plan are using us to manage their critical environments, and so it's great that we can add value to them, even as small companies.
3: Yeah, the other the other thing, just sort of that stands out to me why I think it's so great for you guys business model. is that you know, it, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary solution, and and, yes. you, <laughs> and you guys you know, you, high, you highlighted the number of integrations and and on the it, mm-hmm. The last earnings call, and you know, I don't know what was it. It was a lot. I can't remember the number, but it was a lot. And I looked yeah, at it. Yeah, over like, six
1: hundred.
3: <laughs> yeah, I want to say five hundred, yes. but I didn't want to get the number wrong. Yes, and 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 once you build those things, you don't, you know. On a previous podcast, we talked about pager duty, and, and like once the wires are in the wall, they're never getting ripped out. And so, uh, you know, the best time to do that is at the start when these companies are are, are forming what are going to be their operational models. So good for you guys.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I I think you know, to that point, the part of why we invest in that integration ecosystem, where a lot of those integrations are actually started by the our technology partners, right? So there's some that we end up taking in house and treating as product, essentially as tier one integrations. But we've created a vibrant community around you know companies being able to use PagerDuty for different things, and that's why that we see this good momentum in. In the community, and I think that when you look at our high renewal rates, right? We have renewal rates above ninety-five percent, and that is because once companies start using or customers start using PagerDuty and they have it integrated into the environment, you, you're right. It's a it's a solution that sticks, and it it also then means that it becomes embedded into how they think about managing their digital environment.
0: How are the so? Justin sort of alluded to a little bit, I think you might have as well, the the competition element there. And, you know, the devil's advocate and he wonders about the five or less percent that doesn't renew. But also, I'm just curious, the story has usually been, pager duty is sort of fending off competitors to the throne and your vertical, your alerts, automation, et cetera. And I'm curious, as you're sort of going horizontal here, how you're finding the competitive landscape, because I think one of the, there's so much going on in software now, and there's so many solutions. And so it would seem like a crowded space. So far, you're having, you're having success. But I'm just wondering what you're, as PagerDuty is going on offense a little bit more, how the, how you think about that, whether it's just a natural addition or just what you see as, as the company is developing in that direction.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I when I think about competition and think about where we are today, I've never felt more confident than I do today around our competitive differentiation. So when I think about the landscape of different players, there is no one that offers the full comprehensive solution that PageDuty does that can take you all the way from signal to action, to, you know, remediation and auto remediation if you want it. So there are always going to be some folks that enter the space because, you know, frankly, this is an important market. And the fact that there are competitors bears out the fact that this is a real problem that companies need to solve, that this is a there's a large TAM out there. So the fact that they're competitors is, is a good thing. What I would say is that still the majority of cases when we are going into into customers, we're not replacing a competitor. We're replacing a homegrown solution of some sort. That may be, you know, some sophisticated system that someone or semi-sophisticated system that someone has written themselves, or it's maybe a combination of people using spreadsheets and processes and wiki pages and any number of things to try and deal with detection of inbound issues and orchestration of work so that to me again means that that a lot of the time we're going into help companies solve a problem that they have a they don't have a proper solution for today so when I think about the the competitive landscape there's often more noise there than there is is reality and we've seen some of our, uh, our competitors over the last few years try a number of techniques, either through bundling or trying to offer their product as free, not having any impact on our ability to either retain customers or grow customers. And that is particularly true in the mid-market and enterprise segment. And that's because when people are running their business-critical applications, they want to be able to ensure that they can rely on someone that they trust, that has high resilience at scale, who has high availability, that has can meet all their requirements, so that they can deliver on their promise to their their end customers. So we become a, an easy choice when companies are in that that decision process.
2: Yeah, we went through this around the IPO, right? I mean, there was I think there was a lot more. I mean, at least from my standpoint at the time, like I'd say potential concern with, you know, Atlassian and and, and Splunk making acquisitions and, and that window around when you guys listed and then kind of going uh, on a, on an offensive. And at least for me, you know, part of the reason uh, that my viewpoint changed on, on PagerDuty was, you know, as I talked to customers over the next year, I essentially got the, the feedback that you're conveying. That yeah. you had that kind of you know first out of the gate you know big swing where you know some established larger players in the market, and I think you guys from a customer reference standpoint have just it's it's very difficult to compete at this juncture with the, your your position particularly in the Fortune 500, and you, like like you said trust is, is is a huge deal here. I mean, I've talked to to engineers who are like you know well why would I want to mess with my fire alarm, right?
3: Yeah. Like what, what, once, yeah. what, once it works, there. And that 95% other things to retention, on. the 95% retention is just a phenomenal number. I think that's what it speaks volumes to why you want, want to change out the fire alarm.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the other piece is that, like I have tried to make sure that our focus is always on being able to deliver value at different levels. So I think often for a developer, or for an engineer, page duty gives them a better quality of life. Right. So at a personal level, if I'm someone who needs to be on call for a critical application, I don't want to be disturbed if there isn't an issue. And if there is an issue, I want to be, want to make sure that I'm given lots of context so that I can solve that problem as quickly as possible and minimize any disruption to the business. So we do that for the individual developer. So often I find that when I meet customers or in the days when we used to go to events, I would speak to our customers, and people would say things to me like, "Oh, you—you know—you saved my marriage," or "You helped me kind of make sure I could get to my kids, you know, concert, or whatever it was." Right. So, at a personal level, we have an impact, but then at a company level, we're having an impact because we're we're he- helping these companies ensure their revenue. Right. We're helping them make sure that they are not spending unnecessarily that they can divert funds to innovation instead of problem solving. So when you look at the ROI figures that are coming in from individual studies that we do with customers to a broad study that IDC did, you can see anything from like a 500% to like an 800% ROI. So we're delivering value to individuals and to companies at different levels. And to me, that's what makes PagerD really special is that it's not just something that makes business sense but it improves the quality of life even for for the dev or the engineer
3: so i mean obviously i really love you guys' retention and you know i'm a big believer in your company and one of the things i've really liked about what you guys have done is, is you've started to expand the number of products you guys have you know you recently acquired run deck and, and and one of the things that i guess i'm trying to figure out is, is just, you know how do you guys to intend to expand revenue moving forward like are you going to Do more acquisitions. I mean, I I don't really see PagerDuty as a company that does a lot of acquisitions. I wish that you guys would do more acquisitions. One of the things that sort of stands out to me, sort of is, is an obvious product addition to your your SKU book would be like, you know, something that notifies the like you have a product that notifies the engineers when a product is down, but like what about notifying customers product is down? And so, like, how do you how do you expand your SKU book in order to provide a complete life cycle to the incident uh, response management, which is sort of your, your core customer use
1: case? So you, you're right in terms of I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to be able to expand our, our offerings and the SKUs that we have available to customers, and we we've done this in a fairly measured way with uh, structuring the the plans that we have today, so that there is some natural progression that will help customers move. And and as they move through that, that expansion leads to improvements in terms of our dollar-based net retention, but also in terms of of delivering value to to those customers. The the way in which we're thinking about this from a new product perspective is Rundeck has been a great acquisition for us. It creates a new independent land from the PageDuty platform. So what we're seeing is RunDeck, call them RunDeck customers of the past, becoming PagerDuty duty customers, and the large base of page duty customers now being a really good place for us to to start in terms of RunBook automation, um, by the page duty automation or RunDeck RunDeck product. So that's one very obvious path for for expansion. We also continue to look at how do we monetize the platform in the future. So some of the offerings that we have that are are more use case specific like customer service. So that that meant that we are finding a new team that we can service within a customer outside of Dev or IT. And we've seen good traction there with now 12% of our customers using us in customer service, some sort of customer service use case in addition to Dev or IT. So we see that as another expansion opportunity. And in fact, the creating SKUs specifically around customer service so that we can down the track, create a new land specifically for customer service. And then from an acquisition perspective, we're always looking at how do we round out our platform and fill in more opportunity that will make the platform more beneficial. So our approach has been very much around things that are adjacencies, much like automation, was something we were already doing but Rundeck gave us the ability to accelerate. So, so we're continually scouring the market. We've got you know, 500 million of, of, of cash, cash equivalents and short-term investments on the, the balance sheet. We have opportunity to actually go and acquire other companies that will help round out our technology, which I think will then put us in the place to both add SKUs, but also then increase our footprint within the customer base.
3: And and, and with regards to sort of, you know, making it a bigger pie, I mean, how do you think about your partner network or uh, solution providers and sort of like creating an ecosystem that's, you know, larger than what is, you know, sort of your top line revenues?
1: Yeah. So, you know, our focus on the ecosystem to date has largely been around technology partners, right? So it's been a technology-centric view around how do we build that, that community. In the last couple of years we've started thinking about how do you create uh, partnerships that are you know will realize greater revenue and i'd say one of the the first that we we started with was really around thinking about the marketplace environment like the aws marketplace and so some of the investments that we've made in that area have now made it easier for customers who are aws customers to use the aws credits to purchase page duty so some of those things are about looking at at routes in which we could could access, if you like, a channel or partner to to access or make it easier for customers. So, you know, some work already done there and proven successful, which we'll continue to build on. Uh, we think that even the the work that we've done around large players like Salesforce has the potential to make that ecosystem more compelling and will you know, create a more natural opportunity for, for customers to buy. And then in terms of the, um, the GSIs, we've started doing work in the last two years with GSIs around seeing how PagerDuty can be attached to initiatives that they are often leading around either cloud migration or DevOps transformation or digital transformation. So that, again, I think represents a, a future opportunity for us to really, you know, leverage partners to accelerate our growth.
3: You're know, sort of speaking to AWS, you know, one of the things I would love to see you guys' marketing more is sort of the platform neutral component that PagerDuty mm-hmm. offers across all of the cloud providers. So like, it doesn't matter if you go with Google, it doesn't matter if you go with AWS, it doesn't matter. But with Microsoft, like we're the person that can enable you, regardless of what service is integrated across, whatever component in the cloud, in order to figure out what's going on, alert your engineering team, and then, as I said before, I think you guys need to find a way in order to work the customers for the people that are buying your product. I think that like that sort of like closed loop would be a fantastic opportunity for you guys. That's that's what I would like to see as a shareholder
1: yeah I, I think you make a, a good point because you know the, the interesting thing about Page duty, although we're like you know one hundred percent in the cloud and the the way in which we we operate, a lot of our customers have a mix of solutions, both legacy and in a whole variety of public clouds <laughs> and we can we can service anyone. It doesn't really matter what your configuration is in terms of our ability to be able to to support companies. so we often have companies where You know, they may have monitoring associated with a legacy environment, and they may have some stuff that's sitting in the cloud. And we're able to take in signals from any of those areas into page duty to help them. So I think think you make a good point, Justin, about us thinking about how do we make that messaging, you know, even clearer.
3: All right. So from an investor base, I
2: think uh, if we wanted to move the conversation more on like, let's say I'm mean, for, I mean, this is a podcast with a bunch of SaaS investors who are listening in and we've talked about PagerDuty a lot. And I think one area of interest, so SaaS investors today, typically speaking, you you have a, a let's call it a momentum oriented crowd who is willing, it, it prefers to pay, you know, 50 times sales for something that's immediately growing, let's call it north of 45, 50%, right? And when they when i th- I mean, at least in some of my conversations, when when I have conversations around PagerDuty, part of the rationale is this this long tail kind of secular trend around digital complexity going up, and let's call it. You know, I think of you guys as like you know a, a mid twenties cager, but for many, many, many years to come, type of uh, type of stock, right? And when I when when you think about it that way, I mean, like one area of focus is is obviously the the Fortune 500, right? You guys are now, I mean, as of this quarter, sixty five percent in the Fortune 100, and I think you disclose forty five percent in in the Fortune 500 uh, on on a customer count basis. And I think you disclosed at your analyst day that you're I think less than one percent penetrated from an employee standpoint in. in in that TAM, so let, let, I think there was about 30 million or so Fortune 500 uh, workers, so less than 300,000 or whatever. When when you think of that TAM, and, and then when you think of this business, you guys gave a 500 million and then a, you know a potential 1 billion financial model at your investor day. When you think about the Fortune 500, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, you do a great job from an investor presentation standpoint, kind of giving the messaging around the pieces of the business and 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 what's going on but I don't, I don't think investors have very good context around the varying size of potential deployments right so when they think about seat count today like what's a large customer look like in in the fortune 500 is a large customer in the 20,000 you know seat range 15,000 seat range. And then when I when you think about that, I mean obviously you're you're not going to penetrate every single employee in the in, in 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 the Fortune 500. Like what do you think of as, you know, over the next 5 years as this digital tailwind continues and and you guys are a, a major, you know, beneficiary of it, what's the penetration like target that you're kind of aiming for, let's call it by by 2026? within I mean like you've definitely gotten from a brand equity standpoint and a positioning standpoint you're all, you're you're already very well penetrated right so you're in there but from a seat count like it's it's kind of hard. I, I feel like investors struggle with getting a sense of all right I mean, I mean like this is like I, I don't have to win you customers here right there was a little bit too much fun. I mean it's good to see the particularly on the SMB end adding the free because I think that's for you guys from your position. Uh, at the enterprise end, you have the flexibility to do that and play offensive, which others don't, because the money is... Wait a second.
3: I mean, I I think you and I have chatted about this a little bit. Like, I mean, when you say 60-plus percentage point penetration within the Fortune 100, I guess the question that I have is, this is like, how do you see expansion within those customers? So, for example, when I worked on Bitbucket, You know, we counted any customer that paid us more than ten dollars per month as an official customer. Now and and, and then and then there might be five teams within Ford that were each paying ten dollars, right? And so like that's one customer, right? And then you've got twenty or thirty other teams within Ford that are picking different products and are picking different business models, and the CIO hasn't figured out what the strategy is across the entire organization. So like when I'm I mean, I love that PagerDuty is in 50% of the Fortune 100. Yeah. What I want to know is how is it going to expand? That's my real question because yeah. this is, that's what really matters here.
2: I mean, it's not necessarily yeah, I mean, just in how they're going to expand. Sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm I do want to hear like, how
3: it's answered. I'm sorry. I, okay.
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, like, well, I was where I was trying to steer it is I agree with you. It's just that I'm saying for people investing in the stock today, I'm trying to convey the like the feedback sometimes I get from from, you know like the pushback sometimes you get on the investment thesis is I, I feel like they don't have a very good sense look look I've talked to enough of pagerduty's mm-hmm. customers i like I, I'm not going to sit here and mention logos and bring them up for you guys because we'll call that inappropriate, but I have a sense of where they are I know what a large customer looks like. I know yeah. what you know an early days customer looks like in, in the fortune 500. I feel like quantifying that a little bit more from from. A company kind of goal is something that investors don't really have an idea because look, they're they're giving you a number in in, in their yeah. in their analyst deck that they're less than one percent on an employee count. Now there's thirty million employees yeah. in the Fortune 500, but like, yeah, I I want to know what's twenty thousand CEO answer. answer. Okay.
3: Yes, we'll go ahead. Yeah.
1: yeah, So so I guess I might I might get to cover both of you both of you in this one. So if I look at at the size and scale, even in the Fortune 500, like we have customers with over twenty. Thousand users right on the platform, but those could be customers with hundreds of thousands of employees. So you know we have have that We have that kind of scale where we have tens of thousands of users, and then we also have you know maybe customers that have got fifty users. So early on, so the the opportunity for the progression of some of those that are early in the Fortune 500 means that they can get to thousands. The other measure that we've looked at is we've said okay. You know, looking at the, every employee within the Fortune 500 being on page duty, you know, maybe doesn't make sense. But how would we, you know, what would be a realistic proxy for us to take a look at? So we, we've taken this concept of technical workers using data out of sources like LinkedIn and so forth to get an idea of the population of folks that are doing technical work. So this is typically developers and IT. And we've said, let's have a look at that population. And in that instance, if we only look at our customers, so this is excluding anyone who's not a customer, we're at about 14%. So our view is that even within our customer base today, right, those folks that are using Patreon okay, yeah, that's today, excellent. There's, there's plenty of room for us to grow. Like even if we didn't get another Fortune 500 customer, we've got so much room to grow just within the technical, technical workers. We have some customers that are, you know, are very progressive, particularly you know, SaaS-based companies who, who aggressively deploy page duty to almost every employee in their business. But then you have larger, more traditional organizations who only deploy us within dev or IT. So I think there's plenty of opportunity for us, even within those accounts. And I think it's an important point for us to make, because I realize from speaking to investors, sometimes we'd say, you know, earlier on, we've got more than 50 of the Fortune 100, and they'd go, oh, well, we've only got 50 to go. It's like, well, no, actually, we're really early. Even the 50 we've got, there's so much work to do to go and, and expand. And then if I look at the other use cases, it's like if we had to start accessing security operations teams or customer service teams, suddenly there's a much bigger TAM within the Fortune 500 because those those we haven't even factored those in yet.
3: Do you think about introducing different... Types of and this came up on the investor call. Do you think about? They were like, "Are you going to raise prices?" And so, sort of, had a chuckle. But like, do you think about introducing different pricing tier structures? So, for example, right, like, you know, when I worked on Bitbucket, Bitbucket went down. I'm at hockey. Like, you know, I get an alert from the engineering manager. He's like, "There's a big problem. You got to come back to the office." Right. And so, you know, everybody rallies back to the office. I mean, this was a different era. You know, sort of before everybody was remote. And like, I don't need to log into the system to see what's going on. And I'm not going to be on call, but certainly I want to know what's going on. And you talk about like 20,000 seat deployments, like all all those customers aren't the same. Right. And so like, how do you, how do you potentially say like, you know what, the, the, the marketing team wants to know that, you know, one component of you know, Gmail is down and they want to figure out how to start crafting a response. They don't need to be involved in figuring out, you know, what microservice is not working. So Mm -hmm. like, how do you think about expanding the customer base and and, and the total addressable seats? Like the way that I think about this particular market is there's 20 to 30,000 IT workers. There's a hundred million knowledge workers. So like... When I think about your total addressable market, that's the way that I'm framing the way that I think about how many customers you've actually penetrated, not the total number of logos.
1: Yeah, and, and Justin, I think that's a you know it's a really good point because we've started doing that to some extent. We introduced this concept that we term a stakeholder license, which is somebody who is not necessarily going to be a frequent user of page duty, but who needs to be kept in the know when there's something critical or needs to be engaged right in a particular particular event or particular incident and and that's contributed to us seeing like growth of users on our platform of like 50 percent so and that particular please please update your
3: website (laughs) i want to see it on there
1: okay yeah and and what what it is there's volume-based pricing associated with that because it, it tends to be like if you are taking a large number of users, then we, we discount accordingly. But certainly, I think it's an important vehicle because it's helping us access more users within a company and you know, driving for ubiquity. Like My view is that there is no reason why, for most industries, you know, everybody couldn't be on pager duty. Right? like, There should be a reason, a model where we could, could be useful to everyone in the organization, given the kind of role we can play. I like what I'm hearing.
0: All right. I think, uh, unless any last comments, I feel like we're we're at the time. But it? Security, uh,
2: security ops, security ops. Yes. I, I mean, the market is infatuated with the uh, uh, threat prevention, detection. When you think about cybersecurity and, and PagerDuty, how you guys factor in that there today, because. Everyone's really focused on, you know, these firms like CrowdStrike and Sentinel One and security at the edge. I mean, how, if you could just speak a little bit into like when you think of sure. security ops.
1: Yeah, so Akram, I think, you know, it's the, uh, the advances we've made in security ops have been pretty much organic to date. So if we look at our customer base today, we have 20% of our customer base in addition to dev also using us in some security applications. And you'll see that if you look even on our website at the number of security integrations, there's a growing number of security integrations, the likes of CrowdStrike and a whole lot of other threat detection, Splunk security product, because often as companies adopt a dev secops approach, you know, an incident from a security perspective looks very similar to another technical incident. And so certainly page is being used as is in, in that environment. We certainly are thinking about like how do we create a context that's going to be richer specifically for security in the future, but we made a call to focus on customer service with a much larger user population in Tam in the first instance because when we size the security Tam it's a much smaller number of users and a more a, a different kind of uh, a very similar use case to what we already had in place, so we thought we could Utilize our existing, whilst driving forward on customer service.
2: All right, that's great. I mean, it'd be nice uh you know, what I think uh, sets it on one is doing thirty-five million in quarterly revenue and is twenty-two billion dollars. <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> the, uh, the 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 wild range of outcomes. I mean, I think that's about it. I think maybe one quick thing we to cover: margin structure, long term. You you kind of. You know, for the first time, gave a guidance there, and I do think that you know some stuff that comes up here i mean justin's ex atlassian, which is a you know has a very uh celebrated champion non sales non traditional enterprise sales uh go to market strategy but then you know here you guys are a, a lot of a lot of the argument which is what we were just talking about earlier, a lot of the focus around fortune five hundred type of customers brings up the whole idea that you guys require kind of that sales overhead to service, you know, these these blue chip entities. I mean, do you guys see a potential, you know, from here going forward for notable leverage in the immediate term? Because I mean, I was like, I was kind of thinking of this as a potentially 20% non-GAAP operating margin business, you know, over the next
1: three to five years yeah so so the way that we're thinking about it is one, you know how do we grow sustainably so you know continue to post you know healthy growth rates in terms of revenue, but increasing the leverage. So you can expect to see much like we outlined in Investor Day, you know improvements particularly around sales and marketing, efficiency and gNA efficiency. We've been intentional around saying that we would like to hold r and d at twenty five to twenty six percent of of revenue in terms of expense, but we, we certainly believe that as we grow, we'll be able to get you know improved leverage from sales, marketing, and G&A. All right, thank you. That's great. Yeah, and, and thank you very much. I mean, uh, it's really great to to um, chat with you folks today. We're obviously very excited at PagerDuty. You know, when we think about how the world is changing and essentially becoming the operations cloud for business, we're already part of the critical infrastructure for, for companies, and so. Looking forward to be able to to evolve to to take on even more as we we help deliver the flexibility that that companies need and you know help connect everyone, connect everything, and automate everything. Well,
3: thanks for your time. I really enjoyed getting to have a chat with you, and uh, I wish you guys the best. And and obviously, as a shareholder, I'm really rooting for you guys.
1: No, well, well, thank you, and thank you for being a shareholder. And good, good to chat with um, with all of you today. Really appreciate the time.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Howard. It's really great having you on. Appreciate all your time here. That's yeah. I mean, we've we've been talking about this company for you know well, pretty much since it came public, and it's just been fun to yeah. watch.
2: Well, yeah. I was short then, so that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you had a change. Yeah. <laughs> change. So am, so so am I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, well, all right. well, great, great getting today, all. Thank you. Ciao.
0: Thank you for listening to The Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful, as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Shortman Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Soquel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.